Hey, welcome to Radical Rocks. I'm your host Shane, and today we got another exciting episode. Isle Light, uh, Demora Tight, we've got Purple Cow Agate, we got all kinds of stuff, so stay tuned. On the first part of the journey, I was looking at Radical Rocks. There were fossils, minerals, and rocks and things. There were sand, hills, and rings. First thing I found was a geocrystals, quartz with no clouds. Agate was hot and the ground was hard, but the gems were there to be found. See, I've been through the desert, found a rock with no name. Felt good to have in my hand. In the desert, you can find lots of rocks. That's right, radical rocks are everywhere, some of them probably in my head, but there is a lot of radical rocks. We are going to talk about a bunch of them today, iolite, um, demoratite, we got purple cow agate, um, kind of a new find, we got a lot of fun facts about rocks and gemstones and minerals. A uh, massive gemstone find in uh, Australia, over there. Seekers, I guess, or seeking, they call it. Something like that. I know they call rockhounding fossicking. Uh, we've got Poon, India. There's an area where you can feel rocks, touch rocks. Michigan has a mineral reserve that's been found worth billions and billions of dollars. we got all kinds of fossil news. Volcanoes on the moon, giant ostrich bird bigger than a, or as big as a giraffe, and so much more, guys. Hey, I want to give a shout out to the people who uh, use uh, Anchor or use, um, I forget the other one, Spotify. I think you can ask questions. So appreciate that if you use that. If you have a question or you want something new on the show, you can reach out to me that way. If you want, you can look me up on social media. Just look up Radical Rocks. We're going to show up on YouTube. We're going to show up on uh, Facebook, MeWe. I spend a lot of time on MeWe. We've got Gitter, Locals, Truth Social, Parlor. I haven't been on Parlor lately. But all kinds of stuff. So check that out. We are getting close to our 200th episode here on the podcast. We've been doing this. We're getting close for our fourth season. So we've been doing this for a long time. And um, we have been getting uh, listeners from over 60 different countries around the world. We are almost up to 50,000 downloads on our podcast. So check that out. Check out our YouTube videos. We appreciate any support you give us uh, as far as uh, likes and shares and all that good stuff or comments. So join in. Be a part of it. Let's get on with today's exciting episode. First thing I want to share with you, I had a gentleman uh, reach out to me. His name was Sean. And he wanted to know about one of the videos that we had done on collecting Verde Antique uh, marble out in Stoddard Wells, California. And we talked and um, exchanged some information so that he could hopefully get a little closer to some good sweet spots. 
Um, so that was nice. But you are able to reach out to me and uh, contact me on social media. And you never know, might just uh, talk about something else. So if you have anything interesting to share, do that. I'm always telling, I told Sean about the clubs, the rock hounding clubs, you know, uh, give back a little bit. These are usually nonprofit organizations. The OBMS, Orange Belt Mineralogical Society, it is one of the oldest rock hounding groups located in San Bernardino, California. But uh, there's the Searchers, they're a really great group out of uh, Anaheim, I believe. And then uh, uh, Ukaipa Gym and Mineral Club used to be really good. All the cities, the major cities, or close by are going to have uh, good rock hounding or gym and mineral collecting group. And some of them have trips. The best ones that have trips that I know of in California are the Searchers and the OBMS. They got a trip. I've been telling you about it on the 29th. It's the 29th of this month. It's coming up. Um, Little Chuckawalla Mountain Wilderness, located in Riverside County between Desert City and Blythe. I'm telling you, this is really neat stuff. Um, they've got directions. They tell you what you need, and they show you a map. They show you some of these beautiful uh, polished agate nodules from the area. Spectacular. A little bit of a, kind of a plumage. You've got layering, banding. You've got crystallization, druzies. Got some silver banded, one with even some fire in it. All kinds of varieties can be found there. So go check it out. You can contact them. Um, by looking them up on the internet. They used to have a, a YOLA free website. I don't know if they have it here. There is a contact here. But just look up OBMS, Orange Belt Mineralogical Society. This is the last call to join that trip if you want to be a part of it. Now I want to share with you one other thing. This is from Christensen's Mineral Collection. These are emailed to me all the time. There are some beautiful minerals that they're selling, and that's fine, but I like just learning about them, just knowing what they are um, and how they are. So I got an email from him. He's got this uh, Pereira gyrite on rhodochrosite from Peru. Very interesting, white with blue. I don't even see what I would think is rhodochrosite. I don't see any red. If there is, it's very tiny. Um, some wolfenite from the Red Cloud Mine. There's a lot of specimens that come out of that area, but the better they are, the more they're worth. This one, austenite with calcite, O. Julian. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but this is a beautiful black gemstone with uh, some white calcite right in the middle. Looks pretty darn cool. <coughs> you can look that up if you want. Copper from the Consolidated Mine in Montana. Uh, Butte District, Silver Bow County, Montana, USA. He's got a beautiful copper sample there. He's got a hunk of arsenic uh, from Japan uh, that's a specimen. Some galena from Buffalo, Montana. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Angelus Angelsite from Broken Hill. Um, 
interesting minerals here. Some of them, the names, I'm, I'm not going to slaughter them any worse than I have. Lagrandite from uh, another mine out in, um, I think, it's in China, I'm not sure. Uh, copper from Hungary, and also a really interesting emerald specimen from Australia. So what this does is by getting some of these, uh, you know, alerts that they're selling things, you get to see things that you don't normally get to see, and uh, you can go and do some research. Like, I can look up some of these mines that are here, and I can go over to mindat.com and try to look up some of these mines and find out more, more information about it. Maybe I might go to that area. It might be claimed, but maybe down in the foothills there might be something to find. Just got to think outside the box and look for that kind of fun stuff. So now I'm going to tell you more than 50 fun facts about rocks. Um, I picked up a lot of this information from legit.ng. Uh, the article is entitled 63 Fun Facts About Rocks, Minerals That Will Rock Your World. We will, we will rock you. Um, I don't see any credit to anybody on this, but let's just go through some of these things and see which fun facts you are familiar with. Okay, lots of rocks, lots of different kinds of rocks. The major construction material of the Pyramid of Giza in Egypt is, it's limestone, a sedimentary rock. Um, electronics such as radios and watches are made using quartz. Quartz maintains the accurate frequency standard, making it desirable for use in electronics. One of the biggest minerals that is collected is sand, just sand. It is a raw mineral or material used in making glass and other minerals. It gets heated in very high temperatures and forms as glass when it cools. We all love gold. Gold is one of the most precious minerals in the world. It is under-exploited, exploited, it says. It is estimated that 80% of gold has not been discovered. I've heard as high as 90, but this, this one says as high as 80. Minerals are pure, inorganic substances, and that makes pure metals to be minerals. Well, I don't know if that's true. There's organic minerals like pearl and things like that. Most expensive mineral, it says here, is jadeite. One carat of the mineral can fetch up to $3 million. $3 million. That's, wow. That is outrageous. The sandstone of the Southern Alps of New Zealand is the fastest eroding rock. It erodes at a rate of 2.5 millimeters per year. Painite is the rarest mineral on earth. It was discovered in 1951. I think there's even rarer minerals now. I, I don't know if this is totally up to date. And there are only two dozens of the mineral. Two dozen, wow, so only two dozen discoveries. Rocks can be used to estimate how old the Earth is, says the article. Scientists have estimated the Earth could be 4.54 billion years old. So that's, that's just speculation and guesswork. There's no way to really verify that. Pumice is the lightest rock on Earth due to the rock's porous structure. It floats on water. 
Shale is the most abundant sedimentary rock. It is about 70, it is about 70% of the sedimentary rocks on earth. Formed from sediments and then pressure making it hard as a, a rock again. Rocks from some breathtaking landmarks on earth. Some of the notable ones include the balancing rock in Canada. Old hairy rocks. I, I don't know if that... It says Harry, H-A-R-R-Y, so I don't know that there's hair on it, but these are in Cyprus. Uh, Aphrodite's Rock is in England. And then the Eulera, a.k.a. Aries Rock, is in Australia. The Horseshoe Bend is in, Aust is in uh, Arizona, United States of America. You look those up, they're very interesting very beautiful totally different not like something you see every day very unusual the hardness of a minerals measured using Mohs mineral hardness scale invented by German mineralogical Frederick Mohs humans consider gemstones highly valuable due to their scarcity beauty and durability and there's about a hundred of them in all Unless you're a rock hound, then there's thousands. <laughs> Minerals from rocks used to make some of the things at home. For instance, toothpaste, soap, battery, makeup are made from rocks and minerals. Gemstone weight is measured, and this is a valuable gemstone, like a, a precious, in carats. One carat is 0.2 grams. Carat is smaller than a gram. Takes about about uh, five carats to equal one gram. Fun rock facts for kids. Kids love rocks. We've talked about that all the time. They're drawn to them. The scientific study of rocks is known as geology. There are three types of rocks, sedimentary, metamorphic, and igneous. Rocks are made up of minerals. Minerals are made up of chemicals found in the earth. Magma is molten rock below the Earth's surface. It becomes lava when it comes to the Earth's surface and cools and forms rocks. Rocks form from volcanic activities, deposits, sediments, and uh, that are subject to heating or by pressure. The most common rock on Earth is sedimentary rock. It forms about 66% of the Earth's surface. Meteorites are rocks from space that fall to Earth. Most cases, they go into the ocean, explode, explode into dust. Rocks were first used by humans as tools. Very important for building construction today. Rocks continually transform by erosion or underground by pressure, heat, water. Some rocks have weird shapes resulting in myths about them. For instance, snake stones were once thought to be the remains of coiled snakes that became stones. More than 4,000 minerals exist. 30 of them are abundant on the earth. Only 30 out of thousands. There's some interesting facts about sedimentary rocks. The organic and mineral particles that form sedimentary rocks are called, guess it, sediment. Uh, sedimentary rocks are on Mars. We'll talk about that in a little bit. 
Uh, the color of a sedimentary rock may be reddish brown, grayish green, depending on oxygen available for oxidization. Other facts, we won't go through all those, pretty basic. Um, then they go through the facts about metamorphic rocks. Metamorphic rocks are rocks that change. They change through time. It can be a sedimentary change. It can be an igneous or, uh, in other words, if a, metamor if a rock is next to igneous and the igneous heats up in it, there could be folded, it could fold into things, it could heat up other things and cause new minerals to be formed uh, from that. Igneous rocks such as granite can undergo a process forming igneous uh, type of a rock. So there's a lot of things on metamorphic rocks like garnets. They do deteriorate. They are, are metamorphic. They will turn dark. Um, slate, schist, marble, quartzite. A lot of these rocks are metamorphic as they change over time. Um, quite a bit of stuff. Igneous rocks we know are more volcanic and from magma coming deep from within the earth. A lot of important minerals come from those, such as tungsten, chromium, platinum, and uranium. Igneous rocks are prominent, uh, predominantly on the moon's surface. We're going to talk about that, too, today, a little bit. Uh, let's see. I think that's pretty good on the fun facts. I think we covered at least 50 of them, or close to it. The GIA tells us about a tourmaline mine. It's Cruzero. C-R-U-Z-E-I-R-O. It is a tourmaline mine. Go to GIA.edu and Andrew Lucas, Duncan Pei, Toso Huso, Shane McClure, and Pedro Padio tell us all about this. This is an extensive article on these spectacular gemstones from Brazil that come from this particular mine, the Cruzeiro, you want to look at this article if you are a tourmaline fan because they specialize there in this gemstone that has multicolored changes. It starts off a deep dark green, almost a blue, to a deep dark green, to a watermelon green, to a white, a bright white to clear, and then to the red uh, color beautiful crystals formed uh, they look kind of round but it is the crystals form up and down vertically through the plane and you can find out all about this they've got videos of going into the mine you can you can uh, drive there it's about two hours outside of uh, a major city there and then um, they have the history of the mine they have, this was only found in the 50s, it's not an ancient mine, but uh, back as early as the mid-16th century, Portuguese were searching for emeralds. They thought they'd discovered them in Brazil, but what they had actually found was green tourmaline, which they should have known is way harder than an emerald. During the 17th century, Portuguese explorer documented the gemstones found in the area where the Cruzeiro mine is now located. So, yeah, the government there since the 1800s wants to discover more of Brazil's minerals 
including gold, precious stone deposits, and um, these tromelines and stuff that were found. Now, they said that the earliest discovery of this deposit in this area, the Cruzello, was in 1915. But it didn't really get established as a mining lease until 1938 to 1940. So the government is now more interested in doing this area, so they are growing. They're growing. Um, they have a lot of mica production from that area. They actually, the, the uh, American company that mines mica in the area employs some 800 people producing 20% of the micas of the world's mica production. So a lot of mica there being produced. That is used for high temperatures and other things. Back in the day, they used to use that as the glass for old um, Benjamin Franklin stoves, the old wood stoves, the glass that would be made out of sheets of mica. They would peel that apart. But mining for tourmaline really began in 1950 when Jose Nevis and his brother Antonio de Asses Nevis started what is now known as the Cruzero Tourmaline Mine. The brothers had been mining mica in the area and selling it, but uh, they, got, they got a hold of this. And their family has been doing this for years. They started uh, selling the tourmalines. People, they were only interested in the large, clean tourmaline crystals. And uh, a lot of the waste piles could still be mineable today because they mostly just got the good stuff. But then, as they dug down, they find more and more stuff. Um, and through the 80s, they were mining this tourmaline. And uh, it was purchased by Mr. Sire buying the tourmaline area, buying the mine in the tourmaline area. Um, Jose Nevis sold everything he owned, invited his brother Antonio Nevis to partner with them, which they purchased in 1982. And they have had it in the family ever since. They are able, this is an extremely rich mine, uh, according to him, the energy, it takes a lot of energy to do this. They hit a big deposit of pink tourmaline. Afterwards, the mine began producing large amounts of red, uh, pink, green, blue, and bicolored tourmaline, including 25 kilos of very clean rubellite, which is super red. He actually has one of these giant crystals in his hand of this rubellite, which is super, super dark red, almost a ruby red, with a, a slice of pink on top of it. It's as big as his hand, his whole hand with fingers open uh, fairly wide, like he's holding a grapefruit. Amazing. They've undergone a lot of things, tra uh, tragedy, uh, but and perseverance has led to their success. You can read more about the story. I'm not going to tell you everything about it. They talk about the geology in the area. There is some maps here that go into detail about how the geology plays out there and how this is dug. Uh, it is primarily a pegmatite body, and there is contact between that and a host quartzite where it is about, oh, it looks like it's 0.01, and it is 13, let's see, 
defined as pegmatite, okay, it is 1,300 meters long, up to 60 meters wide. Pegmatite, uh, there's two, two pegmatite uh, cones here. Pegmatite, the second one is 900 millimeters long and about 20 uh, millimeters long. Pegmatite, they have a third one. The third one is about 700 meters long with a maximum outcrop width of seven meters. There's no exact dimensions of pegmatite on a fourth finding, but uh, yeah, there's there's a quite a, a supply of these pegmatite veins in this area where this internal zoning and this fracturing is happening along a quartz core. Um, they have some beautiful samples that are quartz filled with tremoline. Very beautiful. Um, yeah, it's usually found next to the quartz core and associated with albite rather than the microcline feldspar. Massive non-gem garnet is also found in this mine. I don't know, uh, it's not gemstone, but maybe it's, you know, collectible as a mineral. So they talk about how they started. Um, wow, some beautiful specimens, more videos. A picture of the one, two, three, four, five colored uh, changes in one tourmaline. Uh, it's almost a black to a dark, dark, dark green to a watermelon green to white to a pink to even darker pink. Very beautiful. They talk about... Uh, how many acres this area takes up? About 3,000 hectare acres. So, yeah, that's a lot. That is uh, three, that's about 9,000 acres, equivalent of 9,000 acres. They have uh, wooden ladders and shafts and holes all down through there. There's using modern mining uh, techniques and uh, they core down there to find out where to dig. They have a gallery that you can look through if you want to see more of their pictures. They talk about how they sort out the gems. The rubellite is quite beautiful. These, again, are almost a ruby red um, with a hint of pink. They're very beautiful. These are, are really sought after in this area because of this spectacular reddish color that you get from them. And uh, that's about it that I can tell you. Check it out if you want. Really cool. Let's look at a gold mine. This is the 873 mine. It's actually listed on eBay for $2,000. It's near Eli, Nevada. They are silver and gold. Two types of veins in this area. A lot of different types of mineral deposits throughout this area. But this claim has two shafts, one audit, multiple pits, dumps, and tailings. Silver lead zinc minerals observed in quartz veins. They've got pictures of smithonite minerals as well that are in this area. This area is known for its gold bearing veins as high as four ounces per ton and um, 28 ounces of silver. It depends, you know, where you're taking the sample. Those are probably some of the better ones, but this is out of Eli, it's about 29.2 miles north on Highway 93. That whole area out there is a great area to look for gems and minerals. Just make sure you're not on anyone's claim. The 873 mine is very close 
has a very close proximity to volcanic intrusive area at the east with some interesting faults that uh, have led to some very fine gold mines and gold deposits in the past. These volcanic intrusives in White Pine County have been very productive, creating a large copper and gold deposits. The 873 mine is somewhat in a margin of this intrusive where some good stuff could be found, according to this uh, article here. Vuggy quartz veins are there and probably the easiest to dig. And in the 1930s, a lot of work was done during World War II. Uh, they had some pit mining in this area. The Granite District is located on the eastern slope of Egan Range in the north northern part of the mountains. The, the Granite District was active from 1960 to 1969, still has exploration. A rich strike took place at Treasure Hill, 1,000 ounce per ton silver chloride ores found in 1865 really caused a rush. Treasure Hill was one of the most fine, uh, famous mining rushes of the 19th century because of this high grade, near the surface, silver chloride ores. The Robinson Ruth District near Eli was also a major area for copper and one of the largest copper mines in the United States is there, was there. Discoveries on the northern part of the Egan, Egan Range in Telegraph Canyon, there was a two-stamp mill operating in 1875. More discoveries followed, including the Ben-Hur vein, Cuba, the Stinson, and others, with a five-stamp mill built to process all of these minerals, probably operated up until about 1940. The Granite District had a... Uh, Granite District had a long production life, but uh, most of the high-grade stuff was more near the surface and uh, died out. So there's more information on this if you want to find out about the quartzite and shell and limestone strata and some of the local geology, you can find out about that. Um, there's more about that. Just look it up on e eBay, the 873 mine. I thought that was pretty cool. Some pretty neat pictures on there, too, of some of the diggings. Now, Saturday and Sunday, November 5th and 6th, there is a Trailside Nature and Science Center. And uh, this is in New Jersey. And they have a gym show from 10 to 4, November 5th and 6th. And they have some wonderful fossils and minerals and stuff like that on display that you can check out. The show is an opportunity for people in the area to learn about rocks and gems. Whether you have a casual interest or whether you are a big-time mineral collector. The New Jersey Lapidary Society and the New Jersey Mineralogical Society have sponsored this along with the Mineral Gem and Jewelry Show. They'll host 20 vendors. They'll have rocks from all over and you can check that out. Go to ucnj.org and just look up Explore the World of Gems, Minerals, and Jewelry at Trailside Nature Center and Science Center. 
and they will tell you more about that. And you can connect with them and go to that awesome gym and mineral show. Now, speaking about gyms, gym hunting, where to find precious gems in Nova Scotia. If you're in Nova Scotia, you're going to want to check this out. Maria Bowink tells us at thetraveler.com about gemstone hunting, where to find precious gemstones in Nova Scotia, and they've got some great pictures there. You can check them out. As soon as you get on the page, you will see some fine crystals. Talking about Canada here, throughout Canada, you can hike. There's beach shorelines, riverbanks, um, all kinds of cool areas to find out where you can pick up some gemstones. According to this article, make sure you're following the laws. My cat is uh, going crazy again. Nova Scotia Bay of Fundy is an area for mineral exploration. And there's the upper minus channel region. Every day they have the highest tides in the world, it says. And there can be pockets, mineral pockets, when the tide goes down of agate. And some people even chisel rock from the nearby basalt cliffs. Mineral hunters have been long drawn to the Bay of Fundy in Nova Scotia. Even before Canada became a nation, these coastal cliffs were famous uh, for zeolites. So there's some pretty cool stuff there that you can go check out. So go check that out. Do some research on that if you're in the area. Bay of Fundy was one of the most fruitful modern sites for Canadian fine and beautiful mineral specimens. Also, Parisboro is, uh, and Partridge Island is other areas to go gemstone hunting and look for these things. There's volcanic activity that happened many, many years ago, which left many abundant mineral deposits. Gleaming agate, deep purple amethyst, geode formations, jasper, quartz, and other crystals are frequent, frequently found in this area. The region is near Ameth Amethyst Cove, Cape Split, Cape Balmendun, and all these other areas are very popular for amethyst, agate, zeolite minerals are particularly abundant in the Blomidian Peninsula. So get a backpack, bring a rock, get some glasses, you know, get all geared up, be safe. You can book a tour if you want. There's people that will take you on a tour, take you right to the spot. Um, you can go here and find out where that is if you want. Again, uh, it says a one-hour tour is $35 here on the webpage. Again, that is thetraveler.com. Just look up gemstone hunting, where to find precious gemstones in Nova Scotia. And you will find out about it. Tidal Bay, uh, another area for wine lovers. And they say book a tour. And Crystals and Dinosaurs is one tour. And the other tour is Treasure Island Gym and Mineral Tour. That's $40 uh, for the Treasure Island Gym and Mineral Tour. That's $40. And they're all different prices. So some of them are more, some of them are less. Not a sponsor of the show. I'm just telling you about it. Gemstones in the rough tour of Bay of Fundy is a four-hour tour. So they have all kinds of tours here. And um, you can check that out. It says the author is Maria Bu Inc. I-N-K. 
So check that out. That would be a lot of fun. I, I want to go to Canada. It's just up north me a little bit. So maybe someday. All right. NASA's Curiosity rover reaches long-awaited region, captures awe-inspiring pictures. Very interesting pictures coming out of interesting interestingengineering.com. Uh, Dina Teresa tells us all about it and shares some of the pictures. This is another part of Mars. We've been hanging out a lot um, in the big giant crater, but this area here was first landed. Uh, the Curiosity rover landed in 2010. Been doing a lot, and this region's called Mount Sharp. Mount Sharp, and uh, it was spotted as a mineral-rich region, and scientists have been dying to get up here, so now they're there. It's enriched with salty minerals, according to a press release by NASA, and believed to have formed the red planet as uh, it dried. That's what they think that this stuff came from. They found a dense array, a very diverse array, rather, of rocks, that uh, could have been in water, they think. Salty marsh, uh, minerals, magnesium sulfite, which Epsom salt is kind of that, uh, calcium sulfite, and sodium chloride, uh, table salt, basically. So they're hoping these minerals will give clues on to why Mars's climate changed and got so dry. They're going to drill their 36 sample. They've drilled a bunch. Um, they're always scared that they're gonna the machine will break or something because they know that it can only drill so much, and um, they're hoping not to drill really super hard rocks because they are looking more for the softer stuff. They're looking for signs of uh, past water so that they can try to say that uh, green Martians and stuff live there. I guess I don't know, but uh, it is interesting. Check it out if you want. Next. Let me try that again. Next, Trianosaurus tooth found in southwestern Japan. Yes, this is at Fuki. I am not cussing. That's the name of the town. F-U-K-U-I. Fuki. Fuki-U. Fuki-U is a good thing when you find a Trianosaurus tooth. This was a beautiful tooth. They found some, some of these teeth earlier. Basically, it's Trianosaurus rex. Um, like a T-Rex. It's same same type of animal. And these teeth are big and black and large and uh, quite a find. They found a few there years ago. 85 millimeters long by 33 millimeters long and about, uh, or wide rather, and 18 millimeters thick. They found bigger ones in this area, but this is what they found. They've been finding them since about 2014. They feel this one is uh, one of the back teeth. So uh, there you go. It's got to be got to be worth some bucks. A tooth like that's got to be worth, I would say, hundreds and hundreds of dollars at the very, very least. All right, let's talk about some rocks, some gemstones. I want to talk about uh, agate. Well, you know what? Let's let's save that. Well, no, let's talk about that. We'll save the purple cow for the last. But let's talk about this right now. Agate. We're going to talk about agate. We're going to talk about bloodstone. We're going to talk about carnelia. We're going to talk about uh, demoratite. We're going to talk about emerald, fluorite, garnet, hematite, others. Okay? Let's just talk about them. 
Um, Rock and Gym Magazine, our friends at rockandgym.com, tell us all about these different gemstones. They're calling it the A, A through Z. We're not going to go to Z. The story's by Amy Garsack, but uh, she goes over agate with us and tells us a little, about, a little bit about agate and how it was discovered by uh, the banded type. It was discovered by Greek philosopher uh, about 2,500 years ago. So has an ancient history. Agate uh, can be a type of chalcedony, which is a, a microline type crystallization of quartz that uh, deposits in layers, in crevices, in banded patterns. Of course, this can be in a variety of colors from brown, black, white, red, gray, pink, yellow. All of these things are because of uh, impurities, they say, in groundwater that when it went in there and slowly crystallized and became what it became. Now, bloodstone is opaque, dark green stone, which dis has a distinctive orange to scarlet, uh, most desirable red splatters, but there is orange too. It's very pretty. Looks like blood, uh, especially at first sight. Telltale signature, and that is a birthstone for March. And then it says the more modern birthstone is aquamarine. But bloodstone is also called heliotripe, a name derived from the Greek helio, meaning sun, and tropos, meaning toward the sun. So if you garden, you're familiar with the heliotrope plants that turn toward the sun as they grow. This name indicates that the stone reflects the light along with legends of healing powers. Bloodstone is known as a protective stone. People will often wear and carry bloodstones to keep threats at bay. Um, plus, if you have a big enough bloodstone, you can use it to beat your attacker in the head. So no threats, no worry. And then it has blood all over it. It's like, hey, it's a bloodstone. It looks, you know, just like it did a minute ago, only it's got more red. So you can always do that. I wouldn't advise it, though. Carnelia. Carnelia is a very beautiful chalcedony. It could be in yellow, orange. The more red it is, the more valuable it is. Reddish-brown gems are darkened when heated or treated. Um, the sun does fade them out. So if you keep it in the sun, if you really have that beautiful carnelian, it will... It will uh, it'll lose its color. If you get it really hot, uh, it can deepen its color. So that might help. I don't know. It might crack too, so be careful. Carnelia is sometimes confused with jasper. It's definitely not a jasper. Jasper is typically deep red and opaque rather than translucent. So I could tell you when you're in the desert, you want to look for carnelias. Look, have the sun at your back low to the ground. They will glow as you're coming up a ridge. You'll see them. So that's pretty cool. Carnelia is found throughout the world. Some of the highest quality stones are found in Scotland, Brazil, and Washington State. It's still relatively expensive, but a lot of them are fake, dyed, or heat treated. So if you want natural, real stuff, go to a dependable, reliable um, source. Okay. Demoratite is... Typically, a denim-colored stone. Sometimes We used to call it desert lapis. Colors can range from brown, green, to rare violet or pink. Eye-catching denim blue is probably the most popular, and it is. Aluminum, borosilicate uh, mineral, 
demoratite occurs in regions of high metamorphic activity, also rich in aluminum and boron, magnesium, iron. Sometimes zinc inclusions are responsible for the blue coloration. Demoratite was discovered in and described rather in 1881, found in the French Alps and named after that French paleontologist Eugene Demoratite. Demoratier. Demoratite has a glassy, vitreous luster. Fibrous nature creates fine, almost hair-like radial crystals within the structure. Blue variations sometimes mistaken for lapis lazula, but demoratite is typically a deeper blue or violet, plus lapis lazuli sports white or gold metal flakes because of the pyrite within it. Demetrite quartz is quartz with inclusions of demetrite. That would be very collectible. Emerald, birthstone for May. Emeralds are beautiful. We've talked about those. Um, comes from a Greek word meaning green stone. It is a metamorphic rock when it is created. Magma flows over the crevices of limestone and shell. Emeralds are a beryllium aluminum silicate. Although emeralds are a type of burl, not all burls are emeralds. The green burl is still green, just distinctly lighter. Chromium oxide is responsible for the emerald's deep green. Other gems such as peridot and um, tazavarite garnets are found in green hues, but not with the same vibrancy. It says that it can be 7 to 8.5 on the Mohs hardness scale. Forming hexagonal crystals, emeralds are long favorites for precious jewelry, but fakes abound. Inspector's stone with a tin-powered loop, flaws and inclusions, particularly a small crystal within the stone, indicate a natural emerald. Air bubbles or even a too-perfect stone are telltale signs it is not real. Fluorite. Made of calcium fluorite, pure fluorite is colorless. Um, this is great to collect because they come in cubes, multiple cubes, stacked cubes. Fluorite will glow uh, under a fluorescent light, a black light. Uh, it can glow yellow, green, white. Different shades are possible. It can have the presence of uranium, but it is beautiful. Garnets. We've talked about garnets. <coughs> Garnets are typically red, but there are shades of orange that are spectacular. Pink orange, which is really cool. Beautiful colors of green, reddish purple, colorless, even blue-green. But, of course, um, blue and green are the rarest. Garnets are formed in aluminum-laden sedimentary and metamorphosized areas. Garnets are one of the most widespread gems throughout the world. The bulk of garnets is mined for industrial applications like sandpaper, by the way. It has been used for ornamental purposes for 5,000 years. Historical evidence shows a stone within necklaces of pharaohs. Garnet signet rings were used by Roman leaders to seal documents. Sometimes mistaken for ruby, garnets are usually darker, darker red with brownish tones. When held up to the light, yellow bands are often visible in a garnet, while a ruby will be clear. Hematite. Hematite is about 70% iron. It is a primary ore of iron, and uh, it is one of the world's most abundant minerals on Earth, and it is also very abundant on Mars, according to NASA. 
that's why NASA is red. Lots of lots of metal there. So we could always get more if we run out, I guess. It's just a long, long way away. Uh, it also has a Greek word meaning blood because of the color of uh, black, dark brown, ranging from rust red, brown, steel gray, black. It always leaves a red streak when scratched on a scratch pad. Iolite is a beautiful violet blue stone that was a, it was a secret to the Viking success in crossing the ocean. They felt that if they looked through a thin iolite specimen, they could determine the position of the sun on a cloudy day, and uh, this would help them to find their way. Different colors are visible at different angles. For example, a piece of iolite may have a classic violet blue hue on one side, but when it's turned over, it appears yellow or clear. A silica, aluminum, iron, magnesium, iolite, also known as the mineral corodirite, is created in the metamorphic and igneous rock formations, and it is violet or blue. It can look like a sapphire. Very beautiful. Um, it is this way because of the presence of titanium, although iolites are easily distinguished because of this color-changing characteristic that we just talked about. Wow, pretty cool. Pretty cool about gemstones. More dinosaur fossil news. In Mississippi, they found an ostrich that is as tall as a giraffe. NatureWorldNews.com by Rich Coe tells us all about this fossil that was discovered in the uh, Utah formation of Mississippi. This fossil, which looks like an ostrich, bipedal. They feel this thing was super fast. It was a rocket ship. Uh, you know how fast ostriches are. This thing was a rocket ship on wings, very, very tall. They found another one like this, but much smaller, so they feel there might be a couple different varieties of this particular bird that once roamed the eastern half of the continent. You can find out a lot of more information on this if you want. They talk about both the species in detail. So check that out if you want. NatureWorldNews.com. Dinosaur fossil found in Mississippi. Looks like an ostrich. Tall as a giraffe. Science advances tell us that the moon is a younger volcanic planet than previously thought. This article is only for total nerds. You must have a pocket protector in both pockets. You must have tape on your glasses. You must use a slide ruler. Um, you must still enjoy reading DOS. Um, it is amazing, this article. I went through it until my brain exploded just because of all the jargon in it. But basically, what they've done is they've studied the basalts that are on the moon and they found that some of them have the characteristics that make them very, very young. I would love to just read you part of this. Look at this. Alternatively, Apollo and CE5 mirror melts originated from different mantle sources. The LMO cumulate stratigraphically consists of early formed ultramafic cumulates mainly olivine and Orthopoxenine, the late stage ciliopriaxine, elementian cumulatives, the latter make up 10% volume of the total cumulatives. And it just goes on and on and on. It talks about pressure, talks about this, talks about that. 
um, and how they came up with this idea that uh, maybe only a short time ago in geological years the moon was volcanically active because they feel that now it is not active at all. I should have probably kept that open but um, to, to give you a little more in information on the article, but you can look it up. Bruce Museum Curator of Science and Cultural Associate Discover New Bird Species. This is another bird. This one uh, is a totally new species. Didn't have teeth. Um, not a huge bird, but pretty good, pretty good size. It's actually been in a museum for like 100 years, and uh, it comes from Nebraska. Nebraska. Um, bird species from, uh, uh, from Nebraska, and they said here it had been unstudied for nearly a century, and the doctors who studied it used a CT scans to reconstruct the shape of the brain, analyze the skeletal features to look at it, and try to uh, figure out how they could place it in their whole evolution scheme. And then they said it is an extinct member of a family of modern day grouse and turkeys. It has a hollow type skeleton and uh, it is preserved with a head, neck, and wings still in what they call life position. So pretty cool that they have this and you can read this article if you want. Go to greenwichfreepress.com and look up uh, Bruce Museum Curator of Science and Cultural Associate Discovers New Bird Species by the Greenwich Free Press. Check that out. A skeleton that I think we talked about, it was unearthed in Portugal. They're saying now at msn.com, uh, Claire Fitzgerald tells us, this thing could be the largest dinosaur ever found. And they say in Europe, but as you read, they say maybe the world. This uh, is a huge, monstrous dinosaur. It's a seropod. And uh, this thing, it's like a brontosaurus type. It's not a brontosaurus, but it's like that. And they don't find a lot of these in Portugal, but apparently they're finding this new layer of all kinds of fossils in here. First, it started off finding fragments, and now the excavation has included uh, ribs and everything else. It's suspected to be the largest seropod dinosaur ever found in Europe, if not the world. Herbivorous dinosaur, uh, Jurassic period, characterized by their long necks, tails, thick legs, and small heads. Wow. So check that out if you want. Editorial comment, diamonds are becoming Zimbabwe's best friend at theherald.co.zw. You can find out here about these diamonds. They produce about a million dollars worth of diamond. They're, they're not first, second, or third, but they have some very high quality diamonds. They actually uh, have a reserve of these, which will help their uh, economy and help their country. They have they have been chugging along around 2 million carats per year and uh, close to 100 million per year. 100 million per year, okay. Somewhere I read 1 million. 100 million per year. So hopefully they're able to save some of this back to help their economy. Very interesting article if you want to check that out. Next, Michigan is sitting on so much money worth of minerals. Billions and billions of dollars worth of minerals. The new technology that they're using 
I don't know if they use that to find this, but if you go to mlive.com, Michigan sits on a mineral worth billions, but it's 8,000 feet underground. 8,000 feet underground. What is it? It's potash. It is potash, which we know if you've been staying up with the war going on between Russia and Ukraine, Ukraine is a major potash uh, fertilizer and it affects the whole world crops. So without this, we will have less crops. Um, it is so important for farming right now. Farmers are not getting the amounts of fertilizer that they need and our food supply is actually at the point where it's at risk. Maybe it will only drive up prices in affluent countries, but there are countries that are really gonna suffer because of this. So this potassium rich salt is very valuable billion dollar industry for Michigan. It's so big, it is uh, has an investment in it, $1.2 billion project from Michigan Potash and Salt Company. And what they do is really interesting. I thought, wow, you know, I've been in a silver mine. It goes down, I think, 9,000 feet. It, I've been down six over 6,000 feet down in the mine myself. I thought, man, you know, they could probably dig down there, but is it worth it? Well, they don't have to dig down there like that. It's a hundred foot thick uh, bed of this uh, potash which is used as fertilizer and they can actually pump water down there and liquefy it and pump it back back uh, to the earth's surface so they will need to use a lot of water it's 2.9 million acre deposit holds 75 million tons of a mineral valued at 65 billion dollars by western michigan university researchers they're gobbling up mineral rights and offering um, offering uh, royalties and leases to those who hold mineral rights in these areas. So with Russia not producing and Ukraine not producing, um, China producing 80% of it, you know, it isn't very good idea to be so dependent on just China. So very, very bad. Over 93% of our potash in United States comes from other countries. So American farmers are in a lot of trouble if uh, these other countries start to reduce, especially China. So that's a bad idea to be so dependent on someone for something so important as your food supply. It's just insane. Food and energy, man, they are key to survival. Every country should be doing everything they can in their infrastructure to build up food and energy find ways of maintaining that long term. From 2016 to 2020, potash costs went from 225 a ton to 725 a ton. That's uh, that's about three a, th a triple increase, a 300% increase. Wow. They say prices should hit $857 a ton uh, pretty soon. Wow. So the mine is moving forward. There's concerns about the water and the salt that could, could it pollute water, drinking water. Um, it would make a lot of jobs in Michigan, which is kind of a depressed area. They would hire hundreds of workers and uh, 129 permanent jobs, averaging about $29 per hour and up. So it would bring millions of dollars into the local economy and to the state and to the United States of America. Plus support of stability. The article's quite lengthy, 
Um, you can read it if you want. It is quite lengthy. MLive.com, all about Michigan sitting on a mineral worth billions. Touch and feel rare rocks, crystals, in this unique museum in Puntex Institute. You can go to the uh, deaconherald.com and they tell us they're all about it. And it's, it's mineral uh, specimens that are just all over the place. And this is in India. Very nice. School kids are going to be invited. Very healthy. You can check that out. We need more of this in different countries. Matt Betteridge is a prospector who found our friend in Australia, our mate in Australia, found a wonderful find while walking on an evening walk. He found a Zeppelin gemstone while he was out doing what they call seeking. Well, if you go to uh, Perth now, P-E-R-T-H-N-O-W.com.au, you can find out that he found a 34-carat Australian sapphire. Um, they're not sure. It looks a little rough on the outside. He wants to keep it as a specimen, but there is probably a very, once you grind away the outside, there's a beautiful rare gemstone inside of that. They estimate it's worth over $12,000. You can watch the video if you want on it. He's super excited. He's actually videotaping it as he finds it. You actually get to see him dig it up. He thought it was a regular sized one. And as he's uncovering it, he can't pull it out. And he's like, just keeps digging. And it's awesome. You have to get permits to go there, but they talk about going to this area and being able to spot these gemstones. It can be very lucrative if you find one. There's been a lot of rain there, so people are hoping that a rainy day will be an awesome day for them. So go get her. All right. Woo! Need a swig of coffee. All right, now on with the show. We got... We already talked about that one. We already talked about that one. What we're going to talk about now is the purple cow agate. Um, I always try, well, I don't always, but I'll, I'm, I always try to, from time to time, look and see if there's any new discoveries, new gemstone material, especially lapidary material. Um, I scour hundreds and hundreds of websites, of uh, news articles, emails, um, all of that to bring you what I think is the most interesting news every week that I possibly can. And so today I came across this purple cow agate. It says that it was mined in Oregon. Uh, it's at the McDermott site. And uh, I actually found it on Etsy.com. And uh, this particular seller here says they find all kinds of rock. It says this is a five-pound lot of purple cow, three to six-inch trim saw sizes. Um, it is a beautiful high-grain veins of agate jasper opal mix. So it has an opal in it. Says they mostly got high-grade jasper with great maroon with agate lavender blue colors this time around. At the famous McDermott Caldera where where they mine this and all of that stuff. They've been digging it since 1986. And the rock, the gemstone here, it has a green skin. It has some red on the bottom. It has blue swirls with some black lines through it. 
and some light purple in the very middle. It looks like a light purple eyeball, like a pupil, light purple pupil with black squiggles here and there. And then the eye itself, instead of being white, is blue. Really cool. Really cool stuff. There's a lot of pictures here of this mineral. And uh, very interesting colors. You can definitely see the opal. The opal is mostly white. But, uh, yeah, very opalescent. Quite beautiful if you want to check that out. And they're selling it there. Pretty expensive. $70 for 5 bucks worth. So I'm not, you know... I'm not vouching for this person or anybody on this show for that matter. It's just articles and stuff that I found I thought were interesting. You check it out. You do your due diligence and all that good stuff. So, guys, thank you for tuning into the show. Give me your ideas. Uh, tell me what you want to hear. I know I'm not perfect. I don't. I always do this one, one shot, one take. So... Um, I can take criticism. I need criticism, but I can only do so good. But I can bring you better material. I can bring you different material. I can bring you specific material if there's something you're really dying for. If you ask, I will do it. So until next time, remember, rock hounds don't die. They petrify.